Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey, Shadow Girls listeners. It's been a minute. The last time we got together was for the Shadow Girls' very first bonus episode. That's where producer Brandon Morgan and I shared the story of the reward oversight related to Rebecca Garday. This was back in May. It's been four months, and we felt like it was high time to circle back and chronicle sort of a behind-the-scenes look in what has felt like an odyssey to try to get this reward for Rebecca. Trust me, there have been a lot of twists and turns, which included an unlikely and unintended coincidence related to the reward. Here we are talking about this unexpected development. Your intentions here have nothing to do with settling a grudge with Bonneville, correct? Absolutely not. I mean, how could I possibly have known when when Tom Jensen reached out and said, hey, can you help me with this? So just be honest then. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So in this second Shadow Girls bonus episode, we're going to get to all of that and answer the $100,000 question, is Rebecca going to get the reward? From Cavalry Audio, I'm Carolyn Osorio, and this is The Shadow Girls, an in-depth investigation into the victims and survivor of the Green River Killer. You're listening to the second bonus episode, The Odyssey. Now, Brandon and I are going to review the case, and I'll also include interviews with retired detectives Tom Jensen, Dave Reichert, and Seattle attorney Ann Bremner, who's working pro bono on Rebecca's case. And we'll also hear from Rebecca, too. All right. Hello, Carolyn. Hey, Brandon. How are you? Good to, good to see you again. It's funny to go from we were just talking like we grew up together, and now we've got to be like, hey, we're working. <laughs> Um, (laughs) well, listen, so this is exciting. Uh, well, first it's, it's, it's really good to see you again. Always a pleasure. I love working with you. So let's just recap real quick. We recorded a a bonus episode back in May. Okay. And we shared with your audience, with the shadow girls audience, pretty big story that we found out as the result of your show and of your reporting and of your writing. And that was that a reward in the amount of $100,000 should have been paid out to Rebecca Garday, who is the only known survivor of the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway, and that reward was never paid out. Okay, so if you haven't already, listeners, go back and listen to that extra episode where we really get into all of the details of Rebecca's story of survival way back in 1982. The interview affected me, as you know, because it exposed me as 
as a douchebag and as a fraud when listening <laughs> to, to, um, to, you know, the... the as the, it was intended. It's all about <laughs> you, Brandon. Yeah, yes. no, hey, I got I got ensnared in in, in the trap of, of confirmation bias. So, and, and it was a great lesson for me. But here, let's listen to a little bit right now. Well, after he got me to turn around, somehow he got both hands on my neck. And he was squeezing underneath my chin or my jaw. And uh, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do nothing. Nobody would have heard me scream, so I didn't bother to do that. I just kept struggling to get away, you know, basically. I got loose somehow just because I was, I, I was determined not to let nothing happen to me. So I just kept doing whatever I could. I'd kick him. You know, I have no idea exactly what I did, but I know I did something to make him stop. And then when he finally stopped for a second, I said, what are you trying to do this to me for? I go, I'll give you back your $20. I don't really need money. I don't even know why I did this. All I have is my mother and my brother and myself. I go, if you kill me, they won't even know where I am. Wow. Ooh, all right, so that recording was from 85. Yeah. You, you spoke with Rebecca for the bonus episode. For too. the bonus episode, yes. Right about what she'd been through. I was breathing through whatever air passage I had left. He was covering my mouth and my neck. And it was just horrible. Just, even rehashing it right now is just, you know, it's difficult. Okay, Rebecca never reported that attack back in 82. She was terrified. And who can blame her, right? But in 1984, when Cairo TV was offering this $100,000 reward, she called in a tip and explained the circumstances of her attack. Right now, she's been waiting a long time for a reward that never materialized. I just felt like the system wasn't working with me at all. I mean, like I, I, I helped out the case and everything. And in the end, all I got was the, the side effects of, of the, what causes, you know, PTSD. As you know, I interviewed Detective Tom Jensen for the Shadow Girls podcast, and I've described him as the oracle of the Green River Killer investigation. And he came forward after he listened to the 1985 recorded interview and remembered something that he had forgotten so many years ago. I had been listening to the, uh, the podcast, the Shadow Girls. When I got to episode five, I was was listening to the the account by Rebecca Garde of her assault by an individual that turned out to be Gary Ridgway. And it re- brought back a memory that um, she had actually called in a tip. They called in the tip that led to led to Ridgway during a promotional campaign by Cairo TV back in 1984, where they were offering a $100,000 reward for the arrest and conviction of the Green River Killer. It was uh, something that they did during a sweeps thing in, in November. And the, the period of time for the call and came was about a month or so, or something like that, maybe a little over a month. All right. So just to recap from the details here, I think it's kind of important. So Detective Jensen says the reward was offered by Cairo TV for calls into the Green River Task Force tip line between November 8th, 1984 and December 31st, 1984. So roughly, you know, the months, November, December. Rebecca's tip was received on November 29th, 1984. And that information provided by Rebecca was significant to the probable cause for a 1987 warrant that was served on Ridgeway that resulted in the collection of a saliva sample. Okay, 
That sample was used to identify Gary Ridgway in late 2001 by DNA and led directly to his arrest and four charges of murder. Then in early 2003, three additional murder, murder charges were filed against Ridgway based on other physical evidence. In June of 2003, Ridgway entered into an agreement to provide details all of his murders in exchange for the death penalty getting taken off the table. So Ridgway was interviewed from June 13th, 03 to December of 03. He was charged with 48 counts of murder, pleaded guilty in November of 03. He was sentenced to 48 life sentences in December of 2003 and went to prison. And Rebecca, at the times that she called in her tip, absolutely believed she was giving them critical information that the man who tried to kill her was the Green River Killer. And, they, and that the information she was providing was vital. I actually did because, you know, it happened to me. So there was just me telling the truth about having a horrendous attack. And the fact of the matter, if I didn't live, they wouldn't have gotten the information at all. <laughs> that kind of wears out. And that's, that's a very scary feeling. I mean, a lot of people that have met me can't believe what I went through. And it's really, really um, a shock to find out that I bit the uh, serial killer and got away. That's what saved me, me biting him. Where we left off, Brandon, in the bonus episode was that Anne Bremner. Now, I just have to take a minute just to tell you how amazing Anne Bremner is. She specializes in civil rights and criminal law. She's been the lead counsel on so many high-profile court cases. And just to say, her most recent historic victory was the award of $98 million. And that was by a jury in the case of Susan Cox Powell and the murder of her two boys by their father in 2012. So she didn't hesitate to work pro bono on Rebecca's behalf. And so she sent an award inquiry letter to the current owners of Cairo TV. And that's where we left it off when you and I last talked four months ago. Yeah. And look, and we were all like, done, slam dunk. Rebecca's getting paid. But it wasn't how it, it played out to, to this point. The legal counsel of the current owners of Cairo basically said that Cairo TV has been bought and sold twice since the reward was offered in 84. So go talk to Bonneville. Bonneville was the name of the company that owned Cairo TV back then. I have to pause here and remind you that when we first started the episode, Brandon made a comment. All right. Hello, Carolyn. Hey, Brandon. How are you? Good to, good to see you again. It's funny to go from we were just talking like we grew up together and now we've got to be like, hey, we're working. Um, so, um, I know. My face just turned like 20 beats of red just <laughs> talking about that Bonneville stuff. Yeah, I know. So, I know. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I'm going to take you behind the scenes of Brandon and I's conversation when he says we'll get to it and what that means because I think it's important for you to know. Before we started recording this second bonus episode, Brandon and I were trying to figure out the best way to handle a coincidence. This coincidence is something that we didn't talk about four months ago. After Ann Bremner sent their first reward inquiry letter to Cairo TV, and they were like, hey, you need to talk to Bonneville. They owned Cairo TV back in 1984. And this is where my story could be perceived as being a little bit entangled with Rebecca's. But it's really not. Several years ago, I worked for Bonneville. In 2019, I left to host a true crime podcast. 
my departure was less than amicable. And although my working at Bonneville has absolutely nothing to do with Rebecca's reward, I was worried that somehow me trying to help Rebecca could be interpreted as some kind of vendetta trip against Bonneville, which couldn't be further from the truth. And this is what Brandon and I talked about just before we started recording this episode. I just want to avoid you having to circle back in the story being about why you weren't up front rather than the story about being about Rebecca. Okay, well, uh, you're you're a neutral party. So yeah. if you think, and I know you have my back, so I think if you think that it makes sense to do it, then I'll do it. I think it makes sense to say, full disclosure, I worked for them years ago. I didn't even know who they were in 84 because I was fucking 11, okay? So, and... As fate would have it, I wound up working for them and we and we split in a way that wasn't really cool for either party. But that doesn't make me any less of a serious journalist and it doesn't make me any less of, you know, a fucking bear when it comes to chasing down the truth. I don't, it doesn't matter who it is. I know I can be impartial and I know that this isn't, you know, a vendetta against a company. This story happened just because it happens to be for a company that I have a past with doesn't make the, you know, the veracity of my reporting any less sincere. Okay, let's get back to Rebecca. Not too long after we dropped the first bonus episode in May, Detective Tom Jensen enlisted another star player to Team Rebecca. That's what we call ourselves. And I'll have to say, if Detective Tom Jensen was the oracle of the GRK case, then Detective Reichert was the heartbeat Reichert would go on to be the King County Sheriff and was instrumental in rebooting the Green River Task Force in 2001 and would also serve as a Washington State Congressman. Adding his voice to the team was huge. But as you'll hear, nothing in this effort has proven to be a slam dunk. Well, before we get to Reichert, just let me give you something I was thinking about because you were mentioning about Rebecca not getting paid. Okay. And it's a moral issue. And yes, it's a moral issue and it's right or wrong, but there's also a really simple procedural issue also, okay? And what I mean by that is if this right, if this wrong isn't righted, if this isn't corrected, what does that say for future tip lines, right? Would you be more or less likely to call in and to maybe put yourself at risk if you think you're going to get welched on by the TV show that's that's offering the reward, right? I think I would be less likely. Knowing what happened to Rebecca, if I knew something about a bad guy out there and I'm like, well, I could say who it is, but I might be opening myself up to some some issues or some like revenge or whatever. If I knew that I was going to get paid, I'd be more likely to do it. But if someone just says, yeah, we'll pay you and then they don't, it kind of sours the whole institution of tip lines. Not only did Brandon make an excellent point, but it was exactly what haunted Rebecca after she came forward with the tip. Dave Reichert recently had a conversation with Rebecca over the phone where she revealed new information. You know, after she talked to uh, the task force and the committees before we did Ridgeway's search warrant, she constantly felt like Ridgeway was looking for her because he knew she was the only survivor, you know, the only one to escape from him after he tried to kill her. She said that she had encountered encountered him one time on the highway and he asked if she needed to ride and she said no stay away from me and ran off and so 
from her description, she's been running away from Ridgeway her whole life, whether it's either physically or mentally and emotionally in her mind. He's been sort of stalking hers, kind of how she described that to me, which her doctor is now diagnosed as PTSD uh, from the trauma of not just the Ridgeway encounter, but the trauma of being a, a teenager living in that world of prostitution and pimps and drugs and alcohol back in the 80s. And I don't think most people can imagine the emotional trauma, physical trauma, and pain and suffering that these little girls, that's what I call them, even though some of them might have been young adults in their late teens, early 20s, and even into the early 30s, that they were forced to do unspeakable things. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get graphic on this on your show and describe some of those, but people can use their imagination as to what these little girls, innocent in the ways of the street, were all of a sudden educated into a, a world that was perverted sexually, perverted emotionally, per, you know, just perverted. And some began to believe, and I'm sure Rebecca was one of those, began to believe that maybe this is what love is, and uh, which is a twisted, distorted view of what you know, a real relationship between two people should be caring and loving for each other. Remember, Gary Ridgway was interviewed by the Green River Task Force in 1985. As a result of that tip, Rebecca was interviewed too at that same time, and she said she bit him to get away. He twisted that and said that she bit him in the penis, and that's why he had this gut reaction to choke her. Obviously, he was lying through his teeth, he intended to kill her as he had so many others and she was the only one to get away. Obviously, the next step on the journey to getting Rebecca the reward was to go talk to Bonneville. Anne sent an email to Bonneville and explained Rebecca's position and shared the communication that was exchanged between the current owners of Cairo TV, because remember, we went to them first. And essentially, Anne said, you know, the current counsel for Cairo TV has asserted that your company is responsible for payment of this reward. I welcome your input and follow up. And that was the email that she sent. And we didn't hear anything. And as we waited for a response, Reichert reached out to a contact at Bonneville, hoping that he and Detective Jensen could kind of get a sit down with them because we don't want this to be adversarial. Like we would love it to just be like, yeah, hey, this is what's what happened. A lot of there were a lot of working parts. Let's write this oversight. Unfortunately, we didn't have an opportunity to sit down with them, but we did receive a response from Bonneville's attorney on July 28th, 2022. I'm going to read the entire letter because I think it's important. Quote, we applaud Ms. Garde's courageous role in bringing Gary Ridgway to justice, and we appreciate your efforts to advocate on her behalf. Unfortunately, we have no knowledge of the offer for a reward, and we do not believe that Bonneville would be an appropriate party to respond to Ms. Garde's request for a reward, particularly after so many years have elapsed. In the letter to Cairo TV's counsel that you forwarded, you noted that Cairo TV ran a promotional ad, quote, in the early 2000s, offering a reward for information in connection with the Green River Killer. As you may know, Bonneville sold Cairo TV in 1994 and has had no ownership or control over Cairo TV for almost 30 years. 
Accordingly, Bonneville is not responsible for any reward that Cairo TV may have offered under subsequent ownership. To the extent that Ms. Garde is representing that Cairo TV aired the reward offer in 1985 or any other time when Bonneville owned the station prior to 1994, Bonneville has no record of such an offer. Bonneville retains on-air promotion files for our radio stations for at most only a few years, and we have not retained any such records for Cairo TV for decades. Bonneville no longer employs anyone who may have had any information about promotions that the TV station aired in the 1980s or early 90s. As a result, we have no way to confirm whether the reward was offered on Cairo TV, who made the offer, or what the terms and conditions of such an offer may have been. In any event, the time to claim any such reward has long since passed. It is well established that where an offer does not specify a deadline for acceptance, the offer is deemed open only for a reasonable time. If Bonneville did air a promotion offering such a reward prior to selling the station in 1994, we do not believe that notification of performance in 2022 is within a reasonable time. In addition, the statute of limitations in Washington for a breach of contract claim based on an unwritten agreement is three years, and any claim based on the alleged offer should have been raised within three years of Gary Ridgway's sentencing in 2003, at the latest. Again, we commend Ms. Garde for providing information that helped police identify Ridgway as the Green River killer and bring him to justice. Although we no longer have any record of the reward that Ms. Garde believes was promoted on Cairo TV, such a reward likely would have been offered by law enforcement or another third party and simply aired by Cairo TV as a public service. Accordingly, we recommend that Ms. Garde inquire about the reward with law enforcement agencies in Seattle who may have been responsible for offering the reward. Please do not hesitate to contact me should you have any questions or wish to discuss further. All right, there are some inconsistencies there and some just things that they just got completely wrong. But the the gist of it sounds to me like if they believe that there had been a reward, which they said no knowledge of, we don't know, they say it would have long since expired. Right. So we had gathered a few videos from the University of Washington's archival Cairo TV footage, but none of these newscasts went into explaining the parameters of the Cairo reward. So we didn't have a smoking gun to say, oh, wait a second. Here, let, let us remind you of, of exactly what happened. Detective Jensen had found the actual tip sheet that showed that Rebecca had called in, but he hadn't had much luck in finding a document that gave all the details of the reward. I mean, you have two prominent detectives who worked the case for decades saying the reward existed, one of whom would go on to be the King County Sheriff when Ridgway was arrested, but we still needed to have the proof to say, here it is. So after the response from Bonneville, we just decided that we needed to regroup. And so we had a Team Rebecca Zoom meeting. Hi, I'm Tom Jensen. I'm a retired detective with the King County Sheriff's Office. And Brandon, I'm a lawyer in Seattle. Hey, Riker, also retired detective, King County Sheriff, retired person. It's a dream team right there. Right. And just to show how committed, I don't think Detective Jensen would be upset by me revealing because his voice is going to sound absolutely horrible in the next cuts. But he literally had COVID and he was on the Zoom meeting just saying. I mean, it's documented that, that it took place. And the very fact that these, these people can say that there's, there's no evidence that it occurred is, is a little BS. 
you think that's pretty standard, Anne, that they would be doing this first just to see how invested we are in pursuing this? Sure. I mean, they sent, I mean, they sent it to their lawyers who waited and drafted and came up with all kinds of, you know, excuses. There is a pretty good argument on the statute of limitations, but I guess the way I look at it is, you know, what's the right to do, you know, for them right now, right? I mean, it, the, the fact is it is old, you know, it's an old case, but here's somebody that qualified at the time. So they're pointing their fingers at each other and they know their lawyers are like, well, they can't get this information on the successor liability right now. So we're sitting, you know, in a pretty good place. And the other thing is that they don't think we'll sue. But we will be loud, and that's going to be a problem for them. The biggest thing that would help us was to get, would did we have some access to what the agreement was when the buy occurred, um, when we had the, had the changeover um, in the companies? Because we don't know what they agreed to do with respect to successor liabilities, you know, et cetera. As it stands right now, you know, they're both pointing the finger at the other, just saying, hey, it's not our problem. You know, what, it's not, you know, something that we're obligated to do. Or else we could simply say, follow up with them and say, you know, we're interested in taking this public on behalf of Rebecca. We think it's an important issue, obviously. And uh, we'd, we'd like to see those documents so we can at least make a determination about what to do next. What we also realize is that our work was not done. Here's Dave Riker. I think we need to have that evidence that the ad for that $100,000 reward actually aired. And the dates, the, the dates that the, the ads aired, how many times it aired, and what the actual offer was and the conditions of the offer. I mean, we, we all know, and Tom and I especially know, uh, but, I, but I think if we can find some, some uh, recording, and if you have that, Carolyn, I think that would be something to send back and say, either option we choose, whether it's gain access and have a discussion or file some sort of legal action. Uh, we have this information and uh, here it is. Let them let them look at it and see then what the response is. Yeah, it's just, you know, dotting your I's and crossing your T's, right? I mean, because when it's this far removed from the, the, the time of the, the announcement of the reward, right? We're, what, 40 years almost. No one's just going to cough up a hundred grand. You got to make them, I guess, is what we're learning here, right? Doing the right thing doesn't really factor in, you know, that the, the corporate level is what it's looking like, you know? I think at the end of the day, you know, Anne says it perfectly. Well, they're also very, I mean, they're, they're religion based. I mean, aren't they a Mormon station? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're talking about doing the right thing, I mean, if, if that's their base, I mean, I think, when I had the Cox case, I mean, Cairo was always really interested because that involved, of course, Mormon families here in Utah. But um, I guess I've known that for a long time, that Bonneville is, you know, faith-based. And I think that's something to appeal to, which is doing the right thing for somebody that's pretty destitute that did something very brave and noble a long time ago, you know, that resulted in the capture of somebody that was prolific. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Maybe yeah. end, end the email with that. That's beautiful. Love that. Okay. We've talked about Team Rebecca, but what we haven't discussed is Team Cavalry, the producers of The Shadow Girls. So we brainstormed how we could help Rebecca in real time. Let's be honest, part of Rebecca's story centers around the media. It's no secret that true crime is an extremely popular genre that generates tons of content each year. As the host of a true crime show who works with a media company, 
We are part of the larger question of how do we give back in a real way, which is why the idea of creating a GoFundMe campaign on Rebecca's behalf and using Cavalry's platform and the Shadow Girls to share her story became a way that we thought we could give back. During our Team Rebecca meeting, I brought up the GoFundMe page for Rebecca. I wanted to get their thoughts and buy-in. Was this something that they wanted to put their names behind? As a team at that time, we decided that we should put our efforts into finding documentation to prove that the reward existed and the parameters of what that reward was. And just this in and of itself was proving to be like finding a needle in a haystack. And I had yet to bring up the idea of the fundraiser to Rebecca. I didn't want her to feel like we were giving up on the $100,000 reward. But obviously we needed her approval on any fundraiser that we would put in place on her behalf, and that she would need to be on board with it. As I would share with Brandon, Rebecca wasn't too keen on the idea at first. She was on the fence about it. Yeah, why? The feeling was is that she feels she's earned the reward and she's been waiting for it all this time, and that she should just get what she's entitled to. She doesn't need a handout. She doesn't need charity. She earned it. So not long after the Team Rebecca meeting, I went to the archive department in Seattle to try to find something. So I have just gotten off the freeway coming into Seattle, downtown Seattle. This is like the last ditch effort. So they have, they say, three boxes. It's probably all paper. And um, I'm going to spend the next three hours going through. And and so fingers crossed, we'll see if, if this pans out. It didn't pan out. (laughs) I basically found documentation of other news organizations asking why they didn't have access. I also pursued another Hail Mary and asked the King County Sheriff's Office uh, if they had any Cairo TV video. And so we kind of just waited for that to happen. We weren't feeling super good about it. And then amazingly, a week later, on the same day, Detective Tom Jensen found the mother load of all these documents of ever I know right yeah um and then I actually found I got the video of them Cairo TV talking about this reward good afternoon a major new effort is being launched to catch the Green River killer the killer is responsible for the deaths of at least 27 women most of them prostitutes This morning, King County Police and Cairo Broadcasting announced a $100,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the killer. Cairo hopes offering the reward will bring police the clues they need to solve the case and end all of those killings. Cairo's part, we believe that there is information out there and that it's possible that this um, offer of of a reward will cause that information to come Um, to the task force. We hope this reward might cause citizens to re-examine their travel patterns or think extra hard about what they might have been doing and maybe they have a clue and if they have a clue to call it in. If you know anything that might help solve the case, call the task force hotline at the number on your screen. That's 433-2051. To be eligible for the reward, you must give police your tip before January the 1st. And you must tell them you are interested in the reward at the time you provide that information. 
John Marler joins us now with more information on that reward effort and a special program about the killings coming up on Sunday. John? Darrell, I think it's important to note that police do believe that someone knows something that can help them solve this case. They believe that, that someone in this area has some of the information that will lead police to the killer. And that's the motivation for Cairo getting involved, feeling that $100,000 reward as we talked with police and with others who've been involved in reward efforts, that that amount of money might be what it takes to motivate someone to come forward with that kind of information. Uh, King County Police uh, are putting on uh, extra operators on their phone lines to take information, and we want to see now just what kind of information is generated. Someone Knows Something is somewhat the theme of all of this. It's Sunday night at 6.30, we'll present a special half-hour program, Someone Knows Something. In that program, we'll take a look at the Green River Murders case. We're also going to raise the questions that police are looking for answers from, so something you'll want to watch uh, on Sunday at 6.30. Following that, uh, for the next several weeks, we'll have a series of reports on the Green River Murders and on the task force investigation. Those reports will be seen on our eyewitness newscasts, and we'll be bringing information about the case and information about the police investigation. Someone knows something. Police are pretty well convinced of that, and we're hoping that uh, this is enough to get police some information that they can move on it and uh, bring this case to a close. It's been a couple of years now with not a lot of luck on the police investigation. You're right, John. Uh, rewards in the past, has this worked in the past, another of uh, these serial murder cases at all? Rewards can work, rewards cannot work. It all depends upon the situation. Again, what police are telling us is, you know, they do believe someone out there has some information and uh, they obviously, obviously believe that uh, offering a reward of this magnitude you know, may just be what it takes. Additionally, there's 28,000 plus dollars that have been raised by other groups in this. So we're now talking about a reward total of almost $130,000. So it is very significant. Like you say, this just may be the thing that uh, tips over somebody to give initiative, to call in and uh, maybe give some clues to help solve this uh, terrible crimes that have been occurring well, the, here in this area. Obviously, Cairo Television feels very much, uh, very strongly about this, that, that something has to be done and if $100,000 will do it, you know, that's, that's what we do. Thank you, John. Thank you, Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, John. Wow, kind of gotcha, right? <laughs> a bit of a gotcha <laughs> So it felt really good. So we're, what we're doing now is we're going to update some of the information that uh, Bonneville had. It sounded like in their response letter, there were some inaccuracies with the date. So we're just going to basically like, you know, this is the date, here's the time, here's all the evidence, here's, we have videos, and there was no limitation on the, the date, you know, there was no expiration. Right. As we're waiting for that, I did end up speaking with Rebecca, and I called her to check in with the GoFundMe page, just to kind of see where she had made a decision on that. I found out that she was in the hospital, and so she is, I need help, let's do right. the GoFundMe. Do it. The reason I need to do the GoFundMe is because I'm not getting the $100,000 that I was promised. And this is very frustrating. This has been going on for years, and these people don't care. They don't care about me at all. They don't care the fact that they said that I was going to get a reward when I offered all the information that I needed to. And even though I did survive, I was the one who gave them the information to the rest Ridgeway. That's right. Okay. So Rebecca says that she absolutely wants the $100,000, but she is at a point where she would be grateful for any help. I know I have a cast on my left leg and I had surgery on my shoulder about five days ago. 
so I'm really laid back in the bed and uh, dependent on people to help me. All, all I can say is anything will help me right now. I'm not able to work. Wow. Rebecca says it's high time for the money she was promised to be paid. And what do you have to say about Detective Tom Jensen, Detective Reichert, and Ann Bremner, you know, helping you on this journey? I, they're wonderful people, and I'm very happy that there's somebody on my side, and especially when this is such a, a deceitful case. This, this company is playing games and telling people that they're not, not responsible when they are. I spoke with Detective Reichert in a follow-up interview after his conversation with Rebecca in the hospital. And I asked him what he thought would happen now that Bonneville has all the facts. Well, I, I think what should happen is that Cairo should realize and recognize, even though there's been a passage of time, that this, this young lady had the courage and the fortitude to come forward and tell a story, put herself in jeopardy, um, and, and that she was key, a key role um, in uh, us acquiring our search warrant that allowed us to gather the evidence to identify Gary Ridgway and end up with 49 guilty pleas to first-degree murder. And, um, and I don't think that part is over. Someday, I, I think you're you know, we'll end up connecting him to others. Uh, he said he killed 65. Um, the attorneys are thinking somewhere between 60 and 70, his attorneys. But I don't think Ridgway even knows for sure how many, but he's saying at least 65, so we know there's more. And, and uh, if Rebecca hadn't come forward... How much longer would it have taken us to get the saliva from Ridgeway that matched the bodily fluids that we take had taken from the early victims? How many more people would have been killed if Rebecca had not come forward? How long, much longer would this case have lasted? So, I mean, I have a hope, but I think it's more of a demand. I think that for me, uh, uh, Cairo should step up and help this young lady who's going through a life str a struggle. It's not just a, an intermediate struggle in her life at this moment in time. She's had no one advocate for her in the past, and that's why she didn't come forward for the reward before, because she was going through a struggle in her life where she was just trying to survive. The last thing on her mind was, how can I get to Cairo to, you know, to get reward money? And she wouldn't, frankly, wouldn't even have any clue as to what the first step might be for her to take in, in, in order to accomplish that. So now she's got a team that's, that's working for her who hopefully would, would have an opportunity to find some compensation for her to help get her life kind of squared away because she deserves it. Brandon and I discussed how Rebecca isn't the only one who will benefit from this long-overdue reward. Detective Tom Jensen's sense of obligation to Rebecca has been an extremely heavy burden. That's why I'm so important to this investigation, because I'm the only one that knows how to find anything. I, I've always made the statement that if I wanted to, I could 
I could make a living out of filing public disclosure requests because I'm the only one that knows how to find, find the stuff. Yeah, and that's so. really good for Rebecca because without you, this wouldn't be happening. Well, if without me, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the one that remembered. And, and, and uh, even if it was 20 years too late, that's on me, not on her. She, she shouldn't be the one that suffers or doesn't reap the reward of what she went through and what she managed to report on time because I forgot. Tom, you're getting so emotional, and I know that we've talked about, I can understand that emotion, but I don't think I can really understand it, because obviously you, the job that you had for so many decades as the custodian of these files, how heavy is that burden? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's really hard to hear that. As I was listening to him, I didn't edit out all the pauses, and the because I've gotten to know him, and it it's painful. It's painful to listen to. Yeah. It's painful to to wait it out. And he's trying to cover it up. He's trying to gulp it down. So, I mean, it's just like I said, there's yeah. so many layers of it that are a lot is going to be lifted with. It's not just about the money. It's about what it represents. It's still a bridge to the case for him, right? Like it's still and that just just following this this fucking maniac bridgeway. You know, how desperate would anybody involved in that be to finally put it to bed, to finally sever all of those ties and get those images out of your head and move on with your life? But here's this one loose end that he feels completely responsible for. I mean, this poor guy, he just says, I miss, it's on me. I remembered. He says, I remembered rather than I forgot as a little bit of an emotional kind of salve for him, right? But the emotion is still there. Like he's he's carrying this. Oh, there's no doubt he's carrying it. It's yeah. about Rebecca, but there's so much, so much on top. So Anne Bremner sent the letter back to Bonneville with all the information that we've collected about Rebecca's case. And now we wait. In the meantime, we are working on getting Rebecca's GoFundMe page up and running. As soon as we have those details available to share, we'll let you know in another follow-up bonus episode. Thanks for going on this journey with us and being a part of Team Rebecca. <laughs>